can I say won't give it up? Welcome to And So The Story Goes, a Brian Chartrand production and a production of NPR Boston. WBUR. Gannon, the cannon. It's true. Burley. Correct. (laughs) Uh, Nice to have you here. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. I like to start. Uh, well, first of all, is Gannon the Cannon just like a like a like a wordplay situation? What's happening? Or do you actually own a Cannon? <laughs> Let's call it wordplay, just in case the NSA is listening. <laughs> Gannon the Cannon, Burley. All right, uh, drummer extraordinaire, uh, but. I want to go back to the early days with you. And I've done some research. And you grew up in Michigan. Where? Suburbs of Detroit. Suburb of Detroit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you share with me some early musical memories? Maybe it was a a record that, that was really inspiring. Music that your folks were into. Maybe music or or a song on the radio that really struck you. Let's start there. Take your time. Yeah. So I had a poster of Michael Jackson bad Mm. on my wall. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that was when I became sentient, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, exactly. Like when I was like, Oh, I can pick my own. I can be interested in, in music that I'm interested in. Okay. I don't have a lot of memories of, musical influences prior to that it was bad it was bad bad yeah and i mean did you have the record or the, ta- the, the tape you had the cassette yeah i had mm-hmm. the cassette tape okay and a boom box in my room with the speakers that separate from the main central housing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which really gave you that extra stereo effect yeah. that you were looking for as a as a young as man. an adolescent yeah in the suburbs First introduction to stereo, I wonder, did that record have a lot of separation? Because those pop tunes at that time, I would say, were 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 pretty well focused. Or am I incorrect? Yeah, no, it didn't have like hard pants, Beatles, like, like Beatles and Led Zeppelin right. separation where right. where they were like, Oh, we have separation now. Let's right. put Let's the pan. tambourine right. four miles to the right. <laughs> Right, exactly. And it's funny too, right? Like when when you hear when you go to like a restaurant and you go in the bathroom mm-hmm, right. and the left speaker is in the men's room and the right speaker is in the right, women's room. Right. And like right. the Beatles come on and it's like Hot <laughs> Night. And then Ring goes on a tambo. <laughs> it's like it's like tambourine and backup vocals and you're like, What's happening right now? So all right, so Michael Jackson bad. Mm-hmm. Incredible record. It was just incredible. And so prior to that, you that that was just that moment where you're like, this is my music. I'm getting the poster. Mm-hmm. I'm going all in. Mm-hmm. I think I think I saw the music video for Thriller. Mm. Dangerous. <clears throat> I think that I think that was what turned it. Uh, turned it on. Yeah. Like from music being something that was occurring in the periphery of my life right to it being something that was within my you know control 
And and so your 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 folks weren't big into music. I I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean they, you know they would listen to music here and there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It. I don't. My dad certainly wasn't real into music. Mm-hmm. This is what eighty two. No, when when did bad? Uh, yeah, bad? Like around there eighty four maybe. Because Eddie, right? Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so Van Halen must be around. All right, so, yeah, yeah. 82, 3, 4, somewhere. Someone's mm-hmm. going to have to fact check that. We'll take a, <laughs> take a short break. Take a short break for fat, <laughs> we'll fact right check. I almost said fat checking. Take a short break for fat checking. <laughs> yep, still yep. fat. <laughs> still fat. <laughs> so what happens after that? I mean, what happens after you discover Michael Jackson? You were like, I'm going to be a drummer now. Yeah. No shit? Yeah. And you told your parents, you're like, I'm a drummer now. I need some, I need a kit. Uh, yeah. And my parents did it really the right way. So that was like fifth grade. Yeah. They're like, here's a practice pad and some sticks. Good. You're like, fuck. This is terrible. (laughs) This is the worst. It it came with a glockenspiel. There's (laughs) no shit. It was like a little carry case and it had a practice pad. Tell me you still have it. Oh God, I wish I did. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was rented from the school. So you had to give it back, (laughs) but it was like a glockenspiel. And a practice pad. <laughs> because melody is important. And I was like, fuck my life. <laughs> but, but but they said, they're like, if you stick with it, right. then we'll get you a snare drum. So right. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. prove you wrong. Yeah. So I, st- I stuck with it. Yeah. And, and what were you doing? <clears throat> like, what were you playing on? The, were you like playing Michael Jackson on the practice no. pad? Mm-mm. Well, what, rudiments? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. What's that? Da, 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 you know that shit, like yeah. marching band shit. Yeah, marching band rudiments. Yeah, because that's what they teach you in fifth grade. So you join the school band. Join the school band. You're like, I'm a drummer now. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. They give you a book called Stick Control for the Modern Snare Drummer. I think it was written in, in the like the 1930s. 30s, <laughs> yeah, for when it was it was modern back then. And it's like, yeah, it's like. Right, right, left, left, right, right left, paradiddles right, right, and left. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and like paradiddles and like permutations of paradiddles, right, right, and then, and then I just stuck with that, and then I got, and then every year for Christmas, I got another piece of the drum set. Holy so, shit! So Patience. that was like, yeah, so that was like patience, young Jedi. I joined, yeah, exactly. I joined it in the fall, and then I got a snare drum for Christmas that year. And it was like the best thing ever. Like, oh my God, rim shots at scale. I fucking destroyed that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Stick control got a lot louder in the house yeah, after that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next year I got a, I got a, next year I got a bass drum and a hi-hat. Come on. And I was what like. What are we doing? Here we are. And, and you know what? Honestly, to this day, I mean, you saw me the other night. I yeah. played a gig with kick drum, snare drum, hi-hat. And a ride, love it. No toms, no crash cymbals, and yeah. it—you you don't need it. You don't need it. And the reason I don't need it is because I spent a lot of years without it, mm. and learned how to hone my groove mm. without the extra stuff. Not that I don't love the extra stuff when it's there, mm-hmm. but but I had to I had to learn without that stuff, mm-hmm. and you know you get molded as a kid. Like you don't get molded as an adult. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and what, what happens? So, all right. So after bad, mm-hmm. you, you are plugged into the matrix. Yep. You 
slowly piece your kit together, was there another artist or album or or drummer that started to inform what you were doing? So, because I, 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 around this time, I was, I was in like fifth grade. Yeah. And my brother was in middle school. So he got into punk. So then I got into punk, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to do whatever your older brother uh, does. Always. Um, so I was getting into like harder hitting stuff, which is also fun when you're a kid playing yeah, drums. Yeah. Bash you know? them. Bash these. I'm going to bash these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. All night long. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your parents were stoked. Yeah. I mean, we we basically, me and my brother just lived in the garage. <laughs> we're like, sorry, you can't you can't park your cars in here. That's funny. What did he play? He played guitar. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Band. Band in the box. Let's Mm -hmm. go. Yep. And so he was in some punk bands. I was in some punk bands. And I was listening to like, you know, like Dead Milkmen. Yeah. Crass. Subhumans. (laughs) um, No effects. Yeah. Yeah. And... And then I think the turning point for me from like to get out of that phase was discovering bands that were like still had a punk edge Mm -hmm. to them or like maybe they came out of punk sensibilities but moved beyond it. Mm -hmm. Perfect example was like they might be giants. Huh. Interesting. Right. So this is high school then? Mm-hmm. This is like early, early high school. Early 90s now, mm-hmm. right? Yep, mm-hmm. early 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so it was like, oh, you can not be so serious. Mm-hmm. You know, because Michael Jackson was pretty serious. It's serious business. And And obviously all the punk bands are like, you know, the world is ending and we're going to go down with it. Yeah. Like that's the vibe. Right. You know? Right. But then they might be giants, which has some punk sensibility to it. They're like, we're still going to, we're still going to make commentary about social issues. issues. Yeah. But we're not going to stab you in the eyeball with a hot soldering iron about it. Right. You know? Right. And and maybe, maybe a touch more playfulness, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I know when I, and I would put, you know, like early nineties, pre-grunge i would put like rem in there a little bit Mm -hmm. right yeah it's it's edgy but still melodic has a message you know and that that was kind of an interesting time in in music when i think about you know the cds that that i had at that time before obviously grunge hammered us all in the face in, in a really beautiful way in my opinion but it was yeah it was it was that transition from you know, kind of like the late 80s Cure, um, Smiths, now that didn't really have that punk uh, perspective or attitude. And American bands that were doing kind of, it was that weird in the middle moment. Mm -hmm. You know, before, I, I I feel like popular music didn't really have a direction, so it was kind of pulling from different things until it found its thing in grunge in early 90s which all right 
the label's making money, bands are getting signed. This is all over the radio now. It kind of like was the death knell of that really interesting moment. I agree. And I felt like grunge brought, from a drummer's perspective, hmm. a very a very interesting shift in music, which was way slower tempos. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you think about a song like Even Flow, right. that song is fucking slow, but it's still super powerful. And around that same time, so that was like, that was like late high school. And then after high school, I moved out to Arizona and I was living with this guy Lamont and he introduced me to Tribe Called Quest. So good. Which record do you remember? (laughs) Low in Theory? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Midnight Marauders? I don't pay attention. I really, I'm, I really don't. I no don't shit. pay attention to song names or band. I just listen to the drums. No shit. And the groove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've always been that way. Like, yeah. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, if you said name all the songs on your, your favorite record that you just admitted was your first record, Michael Jackson, bad name, five songs on it. Could, right. I couldn't. Couldn't do it. But you know, all the grooves. Can I can tell you if I hear the song, oh, that's Michael Jackson from bad, but I couldn't tell you like. Right. What the songs are or what right. order they're in. I just, I don't, I never read the liner notes. Uh-huh. I'm just, I'm uh-huh. just not like that. Yeah. And Tribe Called Quest, super slow tempos. Yeah. Everything is 90 beats a minute. Yeah. That's really slow yeah. for anything. It, do you think that that informed your pocket though? Yeah, I think it, I think it did. And I think it. Space, you know, like exactly everything yeah. between the notes. That's where the magic is. The 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 maturity of the mm-hmm. groove mm-hmm. and and the ability to deliver the punch without an actual punch. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the anti punch, like the simmer. It's 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 yeah. Well, groove, you know. Well, fuck, Tropical Quest versus Pearl Jam Ten. Like, what a great. There's so much space in between those two albums. They both quote unquote groove, but you know, talk about kind of grunge being a more straight ahead approach, straight, 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 and Tropical Quest, which is all about syncopation and and just like it's groove. It's more groove than I'm gonna punch you in the chorus kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know the? Dr- I mean, they were sampling, right? Tropical Quest was... <clears throat> I I assume so. Yeah. So they're all just picking these great grooves and rapping mm-hmm. over the... And then Ron Carter, you know, it's like, fuck, all right, mm-hmm. we can't, we can't fuck, you can't fuck that up, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. All right, so, but, but before we go any further, what was the decision to move from a suburb of Detroit? Actually, fuck, no, 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 pause, pause, pause. Did you ever go see any shows in Detroit? No. No. So you weren't even really doing live music. You're going to expose yourself to live music. You weren't really doing that in Detroit. I, I was living in the suburbs. Yeah. I and mean, I was like playing soccer and going to my friend's house to watch Star Wars. And I was, I was just being <laughs> yeah. a kid. Yeah. But 
when I was like junior in high school, I started playing in bands at bars. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I guess there was, I, I mean, I guess there was other bands like playing. Mm-hmm. So I, I would see live music that way. Mm-hmm. But you weren't going to like the Stardome and to see fucking Def Leppard or. No. No. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No, I never, I never went to big concerts. Yeah. Huh. And still don't. Really? Mm-mm. Is it like a thing? What? It... If I get, if I get tickets, like if somebody's like, Hey, I got an extra ticket to Dave Matthews. You want to go? I'm like, yeah. And I'll go and it's great. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just, I never go out of my way to like go see a show. <clears throat> the only show recently that I did that was um, Snarky Puppy, just because I'd, I'd always heard it was like incredible. Mm-hmm. And it was. Where where was it? Was it Van Buren? Mesa Arts Center. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, well, shit. All right. So what was the decision to, to move to Arizona? And this is, I'm assuming you graduate high school. Graduate high school. Looking for something to do. Maybe yeah, change knew, the pace. I knew I, I knew I wanted to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And my brother was living out this way. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking I'll go, maybe I'll move to Los Angeles. To be a drummer? Yeah, try to make it as a drummer. Mm. And I I was going to stop here in Phoenix on my way there, and I never left. No, sure. I mean, I just fucking fell in love with Tempe. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is late 90s? This is like... 95 shit so i mean mill is still blowing up it was huge it for a kid coming out of high school it was intoxicating yeah i bet because it was like a thing and did you go to like so all right so hold on sorry 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 you pack your car Mm -hmm. what do you put in the car drum set yeah drum set you got a kid some clothes, some, 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 some a mattress. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When you're a kid, you think like, oh, what are the what am most I gonna, important thing? What am I going to do? Buy a new mattress when I get there? I mean, Hell that, no. doesn't, that doesn't sound Hell right. Hell no. Yeah. I'm taking this lamp. <laughs> Whatever some else. Spoons. Fits in, my, fits in my Civic. I'm taking it. <laughs> Oh no, man! We had a, we had like a U-Haul. Oh, nice! All right, so this is like this was like a legit move. This is a legit move. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're putting your dresser in there, and you got your tubs, and everything's great. And you get to Phoenix. Do you remember what time of, what time of year it was? Summer. And and you were still intoxicated. <laughs> With, with the summer in Tempe, mm-hmm. I would turn that fucker around. Mm-hmm. Well, home. it was late. It was late summer. It okay. was starting to turn. Okay, all right. It that's, was, that's that's good to know. It was starting to unmelt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you get out here. Your brother's out here, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll come hang with you for a little yeah, bit. A couple couple weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Get my shit. Do together. a little pit stop. Yeah, yeah. And just was like, whoa. When we when we came over that hill. Mm-hmm. Coming down from Flag? Um, no. We actually came up. Well, maybe it was from Flag. But when we came over that hill, it, the hill that I remember was, because he lived in like South Scottsdale. Uh-huh. So we were driving, you know, you come in down the mountain and you're like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Yeah. But the one that I specifically remember was like going over the hill, like through Papago Park. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Which now you go there and you're like, yeah, Papago Park, yeah. whatever. Like, well, but like yeah. the first time you see it, you're like, whoa, this is fucking Mars. Yeah. This is some Star Wars shit. Yeah. Are we on fucking, I don't know much. What's that? Uh, Tatooine. Tatooine. That's mm-hmm. the one I'm thinking. You're welcome. Appreciate you. Glad I could be here for that moment. <laughs> so, all right. so you, you, you're going over at Papago Park. And you're thinking, I made the, I'm going to like, whoa, I'm going to chill. I might chill here for a minute. Mm -hmm. Cause I had been, I had been in LA plenty of times. Okay. Doing what? Like just visiting? I mean, we lived in Thousand Oaks for no kidding. A few years, like in middle school. Cause my, my dad flip flopped a couple times, like for work. Uh huh. And so I had, I mean, I had seen LA, like it wasn't, I wasn't like bright eyed and bushy tailed, like wondering what LA would be like. Like I, I, you I already knew. Had a pretty good idea. Yeah. I like Thousand Oaks. Yeah. Suburbs. No. And nice. so, yeah, when I got to Phoenix, I was like, holy shit, it's beautiful. It does look like an alien land mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So, all right. So what happens next? You get here. You, you, you're crashing with your bro. Crashing with my bro. Moved out here with my high school girlfriend that didn't work out. Yeah. She couldn't hack it. I think there was cracks in the foundation that were amplified by moving locations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she, she moved back pretty, pretty quick, like within a few months. And I was like, you know, brokenhearted teenager crying, sad writing in your diary. (laughs) Dear diary. I'm sad today. Yeah, exactly. You know that. Yeah. Sorry, I I read your diary. <laughs> <laughs> I had your wife send it to me in advance. That was the research. Oh, this, that was the research. <laughs> There's some pretty dark shit in there, homie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So. <laughs> A lot of blank pages. <laughs> so. All work and no play. Yeah. Mexican adult boy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, right, so she bounces. She bounces. Now I'm I'm doing the the you know late teens mm. sad thing mm. and i was like all right well, i'm gonna go for a walk so i went for a walk around the apartment complex and all of a sudden i hear i mean it's like a scene from a movie man i'm just all of a sudden i hear this guitar yeah this wave this wailing wafting what psychedelic kind of, okay electric guitar coming out of somewhere mm-hmm. so i s- kind of sought it out and found it. It was a second story apartment and they had the sliding door open and there was this like just incredible like Jimi Hendrix mm. style electric guitar just wailing out of the second story window. And, you know, I'm, I'm like sad. And so I just like sat on the curb and I was like, I'm just going to sit here and listen to this guitar for a while. Because <laughs> I'm sad and I don't want to do anything else anyway. <laughs> I don't know why. What a fucking. I really appreciate you laughing at my pain. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So I'm listening to the guitar, and he went for a solid hour, at least, without stopping. And when he finished, I was moved to a like applaud, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I just started started clapping Mm -hmm. 
And he comes out on the balcony. He's like, who, who is that? And like flash forward, like he, he's like pretty, his, he doesn't see that well. Mm. So like now, so, like looking back on it in retrospect, <laughs> like he came out and he's like, who, who is that? <laughs> he like literally he, couldn't he see. He literally could He literally didn't know who was standing there. <clears throat> and, and I was like, oh, I, I'm nobody. I'm just, I was just sitting here listening to you play. And he's like, oh, you, you live here? And I was like, yeah, I live, you know, huh. a few buildings down mm-hmm. in the apartment complex. 26B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I know. I've done my research. <laughs> <laughs> I know your rental history. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yeah, I just, you know, that was really good. And he's like, he's, I said, I just, I just moved here. He's like, oh, yeah, we, we just moved here, too, from New Jersey. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, you don't play drums, do you? That's insane. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just a like ridiculous cosmic moment. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, as a matter of fact, I do. It's funny you should ask. Yeah, funny you should ask that. They call me the cannon. What else do you want to know? I'm fucking in your band now. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, he's like, stay right there. I'm gonna go call the bass player. Oh, Oh no, sorry. He said, are you any good? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. He's like, stay right there. I'm going to go call the bass player. I'm going to have him come over. He's like, he, he's like, no, come, come up, come up. So I went up to his apartment and the door opens and it was just like, it was like getting hit with a wall of weed smoke. Uh-huh. You know, just yeah. like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, we're going to be best friends. Uh, did we just become <laughs> best friends? <laughs> And and the <laughs> bass player came over, and the guy who was playing guitar, his name's Jimmy T. Wilson, great guitar player, still lives in town. Hmm. And Brent, Brendan Brophy was the singer and bass player, hmm. power trio. Hmm. So he comes over with his bass, and I run back to my apartment and I grab a snare drum and brushes, and we jammed for five hours. Hmm. I mean, it was just like mm-hmm. instant. Instant connection. Originals or covers? All originals. Cool. Maybe one or two covers, but re- sort of redone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're in your late teens and early 20s, you're not really interested in making money and playing covers yet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? So right. It was originals. Yeah. Cool. And and was Jimmy, like, your age? Mm-hmm. So they were a little older. Okay. They were like... They were probably like two or three years older, mm-hmm. a little bit older, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, close in the, in the yeah, it wasn't like he was forty, <laughs> you know, yeah. in your twenty yeah. or whatever. And he's like, yeah. come up to my yeah, that yeah, yeah that would have been weird. That would have been strange. No, it, close enough. In okay, age. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so you're grooving on it. You're grooving with your your brushes and your snare. Yeah, and they're just like shit eating grin from ear to ear because yeah. they just moved here and they were concerned, like their drummer didn't come. Right. And I've met him since, good guy, you know. Yeah. But the drummer didn't come out, and so they were like, you know, dear godsend. They were like, they were worried that they weren't going to be able to find a drummer, right? And then one basically landed in their back patio. Oh my god. Yeah. So. What was, was the name of that band? It was called Thoughts. Thoughts. Like thoughts you think. As opposed to thoughts you eat. <laughs> Thoughts (laughs) 
So, so what happens next? You, you, okay, so not only did you fall in love with Tempe before finding these cats, mm-hmm. and I fell, I fell in love with them. Right, like I fell in love with the music we were making. So we made an and album. Now you got a, you got a band, mm-hmm. you got a crew, got a band, got a crew. We made a, we made a. Well, we started playing shows. Where did you play? What, what were those early shows like? The early shows were at the Congo Internet Cafe. Oh my! In South Scottsdale. Um, so this is back for for our, my younger listeners. There was a time when cafes sidebar. This is a sidebar. There was there was a time on the on planet Earth when you would go to a cafe that had a bunch of desktop computers, mm-hmm. and you could log on to the internet, mm-hmm. and that's where you really got the internet because it wasn't really at your house, right? Right. So you would. Go to an internet cafe. And chat with strangers online. Chat with strangers online. You check mm-hmm. your AOL account. Yep. Or Juno. Or Juno. Mm-hmm. And, Earthlink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Earthlink. Where'd you dig that? You And that was just off the top of the dome. I'm impressed. Yeah. And if you were hard up for cash, you could use net zero. <laughs> <laughs> so you... All right, so there was a li- what a little stage in this internet cafe. Oh fuck no! You're just in the corner. We were like on the tile. Uh huh. Okay. And you go in, you do a three hour hit, mm-hmm. playing our visual music. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, everyone is just trying to 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 chat with strangers. Everyone's trying to internet. Yeah. And you're you're like no. But people would come up and they'd be like, you know, I was trying to internet, but I'm a, I can't. Like, I got to admit, that was pretty good. That was pretty good, guys. So then we got, I can't remember how, I can't remember how we transitioned, but then we got, then we got a Saturday night, a weekly Saturday night gig at Bojo's. Where was Do that? Do you remember that? I don't know, Bojo's. It was on the corner of... Is it short for something? Is it Bojangles? Nope. It was Bojo's. It was a sub shop mm. that turned into a bar at night. It was, on, it was on the corner of Rural and University. So right there. Prime time, prime location. I mean, right the in the loca- thick of it. The location I like was the prime. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to use location in any future I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm going to try to fit it into every conversation <laughs> going forward in my life. So the location was prime. <laughs> <laughs> and And that's where we really started to meet other musicians because all the you know all the good players were playing in right. that area sure we weren't on mill but we were adjacent. a mile away you were a mill adjacent <laughs> yeah <laughs> adjacent like <laughs> yeah the location was adjacent <laughs> to mill <laughs> uh, and this is this is fun this is a good sunday mm-hmm. i love sundays so that's where I met Sean. Okay, Sean, Sean Johnson. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Sean Johnson. The one and mm-hmm. only. And he was like he was he was also playing bojos. I think he did he did Tuesdays. Mm. Sean's the only guy in the history of Tempe that I know who has made Tuesday a thing. Mm. Like he would pack that place hmm. on Tuesdays. Hmm. And so we started going to his shows. He started coming to, I show, to our shows to see thoughts, and you know he was like the Godfather coming yeah. in, coming into our show and no shit like, yeah oh my god Sean Johnson yeah don't fuck up don't fuck up tonight Sean Johnson 
Yes, John is here. He's don't, shh, don't look at him. Don't look at him. <laughs> don't, you can't look directly at him. What is your problem? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there so, I am yeah. sitting, playing drums, not looking at him in the eyes in this, you know, Sunshine. prime location adjacent to Mill. Uh, and yeah. And, you know, he's sitting there with his little entourage. Yeah, he's of, got a crew. He does because yeah. he he has a power mm. that mm-hmm. exudes from his person. Yeah. And so he would attract, yeah. you know, people to kind of hang with yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he he comes in like the Godfather with his with his entourage, and we, I mean, we destroyed. Because you know when you're inspired to play, it's like a different thing than when you're just playing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were we were inspired to play, and. So we played really, really well. I'm sorry. This is early 2000s mm-hmm. at this point. This is this is still like late 90s. Late 90s, okay. Yeah, and he and he comes up after and he's like, "Hey, nice," you know, introduces himself. I'm Sean Johnson. I'm like, "I know. I've been <laughs> staring at you. <laughs> I've been not looking at your eyes all night." <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so. We started going to his gigs. He would come to our gigs yeah. and kind of struck up a a, a a bromance. Yeah. And then he was going to make a record um, with at Mind's Eye Studio. Remember that? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Larry Ayala. What was that in Tempe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, because at the time he was pretty much just an acoustic act like solo acoustic he yeah. had not solo but he oh. had like another he had like a conga player and an upright bass player and but it was it was acoustic got you and he was like i want to make like a an electric like a band record maybe not electric but right you know what i mean right he still played acoustic on the album but and he's like i would just want to get all my favorite musicians from town to play on the record and just make it like a like a like a various artists record. I mean that, but that's such a brilliant idea. It's brilliant. It was. And it, the, the coolest thing about it was it brought, I met so many people from that experience. Right. Because I don't seek out meeting people. Like I only meet people that are in the orbit that are in the orbit. Yeah. I don't go out of my way to like, oh, I want to meet that guy. I'm going to go meet him. Right. Like if our, if we're brought together, Mm -hmm. then I'll be, you know, pleasant and outgoing, but I'm not like, I won't, right. I won't cross a room to To talk, to to say like, Hey, I heard you're a cool guy. You know? Right. right, (laughs) Like I just, I just don't, I don't have that level of outgoingness. Yeah. And, and so I met a lot of people through that. But the the experience of recording that album was was awesome. Yeah, and and it wasn't your first time in the studio. I think it was my first real time in a studio in a meaningful way uh-huh. like that. Okay. Um, and so he has you. He has you in for mm-hmm. a tune. Right? Yeah, he brings me in for because everybody like all these different musicians were going to do a tune. But right, right. And I went in and did the tune. And. Afterwards, he comes in and he was just like, 
it's a podcast, so you can't see my face. But he was just like, holy shit. Like his, fa- his facial yeah. expression was like, holy shit. Who are you? Right. Like that That was like the look he mm-hmm. had on his face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know who I am. <laughs> help me. Help me. <laughs> help me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he ended up being like, oh, I, want, I want you to play on like six more tunes. And, and remind me what that process looked like you you mentioned on before we started that he had already recorded his vocal and his guitar is that correct and you were just and the band would kind of fill in around it my recollection is that there was a couple tunes where we played live and there was a couple there was a few tunes where like the majority of the song had already been recorded it was already done mm-hmm. and i don't it could be that maybe the drums were actually already there and they took them out and gotcha. had me go over it. Right. 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 Which was, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more challenging when you're not live. Right. Cause when you're live, you agree, you can agree on where the time is. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing drums over something that's already recorded, there's only, there's already a source of the truth right. of what the time is. You have to follow. You mm-hmm. can't. Yeah. Even, you know, there's a visual aspect to recording live. Mm-hmm. You can see movement, and that's why, you know, for the younger listener, if I have any of them, I don't know. There's it, 12 of them. <laughs> I've counted. <laughs> I did my research. You know, that's why in a studio... You might have isolation booths, isolation rooms, but there's always you can always see everybody. That the good studios you have line a uh, uh, line of sight to everyone. So when you're playing live, you can feel and and re- respond to physical movement, right? Especially if there's no click track, which is one way to do it. Yeah, or and there playing wasn't. live there without wasn't. it. Yeah, Sean hates click. Yeah, hates it. Yeah. So you're just going in and trying to match energy bpm feel you know which i would imagine is is hard to do if if you're not skilled in that but you were skilled I, in that yeah are skilled in that. i f- i feel like where i lack in like what i would call like traditional chops technical yeah yeah i think i make up f- i'm i'm make up for in a big way in listening mm-hmm. and being able to go wherever the music goes mm-hmm. in an instant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think e- even though many people who know me will probably say that I had an ego at one point and I did, I, I, I don't anymore. Mm. And, and I really try to ap- approach the music, whatever the song needs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. So you have different gears. You know, you can do kind of the pop thing. You can do the singer-songwriter thing. You can do a rock thing. You can do a groove thing. You know, is that... And I have to do all of those things. Well, yeah. And I don't mean in order to, like, make a living or something. I mean because I get bored really fast. Hmm. Like, if I was, was like, in one band and we played the same style every time... Right. I would quit because I I can't like I've always been in a lot of different bands at the same time because I need that 
diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To stay interested. So let's go back though. Let's let's put a bow on this Sean Johnson record. So you you go in, you do one track, and then you do a bunch more tracks, mm-hmm. and and now what? Thoughts are still playing. Thoughts are still playing, and then Sean Johnson and the Foundation starts, mm-hmm. and that was born out of that process. That record that recording, that recording studio. Studio. So. and he basically took, you know, the handful of musicians that I think he clicked with the most, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who 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 also lived in town, right? Cause right. He, he, people flew in too. Oh, wow. So not to say that those people didn't click with him, but just, right. You know, lived, he, right. lived in town and clicked with them. And then he started a band and, and who, who all was in that, that the first iteration of the foundation. So it was Troy Dixon on bass and David Morales on saxophone. So mm-hmm. it was a quartet. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a really interesting quartet too. Cause there was no electric guitar, right? But it was great. I mean, really powerful vibe despite no electric guitar. The sax player played like a hmm. like an electric soloist. Do you remember the band Morphine? Mm-hmm. I feel like that, you know, because they had it was a power trio. Yep, fretless bass mm-hmm. singer, drummer, sax player. And and when you just described that, that I was like, that reminds me of Morphine because yeah. he would do those kind of lines like a, like a like an electric guitar. Yeah, and Morphine I would put in the same vibe category because the the music itself is sparse, mm-hmm. but the powerfulness of the vocals and the message of the vocals carries what whatever space needs to be filled you know what I mean we'll come on a little closer let me see your face yeah come on a little closer by the front of the stage I say come on a little closer I got something to say yeah come on a little closer I want to see your face you see I met a devil named Buena Buena and since I met the devil I'm getting So you so you started you started gigging with the foundation mm-hmm. and you kept working with thoughts. This is late nineties. Does that sound about right? Yeah. By now we're in the early late nineties, early two thousand. Early two thousand. And music was the only gig. That was the gig. Yeah, music was the only gig at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about uh let's talk about Acrobat, which is the song from the first Sean Johnson and the Foundation. Um, any memories of that session and, and, and your takeaway from that tune? I love that song. Yeah. I love it because of the space. Uh, and that's, you know, Sean, it, it was kind of like what we were talking about earlier that I, I, have, I have, I'm very attracted to somebody who has a lot of power in their, whatever their instrument is. Mm -hmm. And they know that, but they don't, 
they don't jam it down your throat. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I feel like Acrobat is one of those songs that demonstrates Sean's true power as a vocalist without being flashy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was it kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with s- like slower tempos mm-hmm. and how how much power can be demonstrated in a slower tempo. There's a maturity that comes with being able to do that. Mm, patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We recorded that record at Dreamcatcher Studio, which was um, Jim Hornaday, who's, uh, you know, he, he's got a pretty similar life to me, actually. Um, plays music, enjoys music, but it's not his living. Mm-hmm. And and um real smart dude and he the the thing that was the most amazing about that that studio experience was he was like you know usually when you record in the studio it's like this is how much it is an hour and you know Mm -hmm. this is how many hours you're gonna get and when you you better finish it. <laughs> and when we're done, we're done. Yeah, when you run out of hours, if you want to keep going, right. you have to pay more, pay money. more money. And, you know, we're in our early 20s, and we have we've scraped together money for the studio from playing gigs, you know? So you were in. I mean, you were, you were like, not a hired gun. No. You, you're a member of the band, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah, we Sean formed this band mm-hmm. with the people that he like kind of hand selected from that right from that that other various artists record right but 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 and let's talk about maybe just for a moment or just recognize Mm -hmm. when four people are in a band versus one person who hires three guns yeah you know what i mean it is a huge difference Mm -hmm. and you do that thing where you scrape together the bread we're going to go in we're going to cut these records and it's going to be the greatest thing that we do you're invested. Be- because we're invested in this project. Well, yeah, f- financially and emotionally. Right, Yeah. right. Yeah, so it's a different thing. It is a different thing. And the thing that I loved about that recording experience, and I've had a lot of studio experiences since since then, but that one, <clears throat> Jim was like, you know, Jim, Jim has financial income from other ways, mm-hmm. like they, other, you know, career stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't like, he interested in nickeling and diming right. the band. He was interested in making an incredible right. recording, <laughs> and it and it does sound great. I mean, we were, we were just listening mm-hmm. on the patio. The drums sound great. You know, there's clarity, there's space, as you say. Sean obviously is is doing his thing at the forefront. Know? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, you know, I I I wish. Uh, and I and I, I get to experience that on occasion, but to be in a band where everyone is as invested as you are you is never, yeah. is so incredibly powerful and moving and 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 real and rare and rare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other R words that we could just throw out there? Uh, rare, real. Rectangular, reckless, reckless. It can be a bit reckless at times. <laughs> Being in a band is reckless. Well, there because not, and when you're emotionally invested, just yeah. like a relationship, right? 
there's more at stake. Right. And so, I mean, reckless probably is a reasonable, there's another R word. Add it uh, to the list. It's a reasonable word to add into this discussion because with more emotional investment comes more drama. And risk. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you lose it, your heart is broken, you know? And then your life is redundant. Well, um, I feel reticent to say this, but I'm really r- rad right now. I feel refreshed by that comment. <laughs> we could do this for days, days and days. So, all right, but this is, this is 20 years ago. Right. So, so, so what did that look like that part of your life and how did it play out? After making that record? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you make a record, that's good. Mm. And we can all argue about what's good or bad, but when you make a record that you're proud of and it feels like it's, it feels good to you. Mm hmm. You start to dream and you start to have hopes that other people will recognize the beauty in what, in that art that you created. And then you start to think, well, yeah, maybe we could do this, Hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like be millionaires and (laughs) right. Right. Like have a hot tub. Yeah. And like, to Maserati tour around the country. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> so we started to do that. We started to, to branch out, you know, we, and we would usually m- like move somewhere for a while. So we moved to Colorado and played gigs out there for, you know, three, four months. And we, we would always go in the summer cause in the summer Phoenix yeah. was dead anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. there's, there's nobody nothing. here. Yeah. Nothing to do without without ASU students and without well that's interesting tourism right the scene just pretty much dies it, it's quiet in the summer it's, yeah, those it's are dark quiet. months mm-hmm. was Sean managing all of this at that point like was there any management or any booking or I mean were you guys just kind of bootstrapping these tours together yeah we were just bootstrapping them together yeah I mean we got we got like signed to a local label after we made that record but it wasn't really like it, it, it didn't end up being like really a real thing were you was there any was there any time in your mind where you're thinking you know coming off of the heyday of mill avenue and the tempe music scene that that it was kind of a foregone conclusion that we will be signed we because we're again uh <laughs> Mill, Av, a Jace. Um, you know, did I mean, because even I moving here twenty years ago, I was like, Sean Johnson, he's the next thing, is the next thing. He's mm-hmm. the next thing. Because there was still that that thing in the air of Mill Avenue still has something to produce. Mm-hmm. And was that a, did that I mean, did that come into the equation at all? For me, no. You were just like, I'm I'm gonna play drums, I'm gonna be in this band, we're gonna go on tour, we're gonna do the thing, what happens happens. I, I I'm not saying that I never had like the dream. Sure. I absolutely had the dream. Yeah. 
but it was never i never thought it was a foregone conclusion yeah i always figured it was a long shot hmm. to to actually make it to the level where you're you know packing stadiums and, and right shit. you know what i mean right um but what i loved anyway and even without that you know drive to make it big yeah i loved tour like we we toured colorado and then we did boston and played all around the cape and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean Super and we, we would do it for like three four months Let, rent an apartment together i mean that 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 was probably more that was probably more rewarding as a human being than it would be to be living in a tour bus and mm. playing i mean i don't know i've right. never played for a hundred thousand people or whatever so i have no idea very few but, people have played for a hundred thousand well, people maybe twenty thousand <laughs> <laughs> but you know Jesus. what i mean <laughs> this is the problem <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah like i'm sure that's fun too right the gasping of the crowd propels her to another level a fistfight between god and the devil to see if she would fall far away we all turn our heads after the last curtain call as the crowd up and disappears sweet little Loretta forgets her remember any gigs in Boston because that's where I'm kind of from we played um great Scott no you played uh soiled dove no that was Colorado we played um I don't know yeah uh there was one joint there was one joint in Brighton we played some big park in the middle of Boston Boston Commons yeah we played Boston Commons no it was an outdoor festival Jesus and um that was really fun. There was probably, there was probably a, Harper's couple, a couple thousand people there. Harper's Ferry. That sounds familiar. That's in Brighton. That and sounds then, really familiar. And then Middle East or yeah, we played at the Middle East. No shit. We played at um, what's the House of Blues? House of Blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that was a great show. Yeah. All right. So all right. So so the band is picking up ahead of steam. Mi- Middle like. East is like right across from. It's in Harvard. It's right near um, House of Blues. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It just it's in the, the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Area. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Somerville, maybe you played. Um, oh, fuck, I don't know. And, we, and I think we we played in like Connecticut, and we played in. Mm. We kind of played in yeah. some in the greater uh, we tri-state. Played, like Onset, and we played in the Cape. Uh huh. Love it. I and mean, that's living the dream, homie. You know. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I loved it. And early twenties now. Mid to yeah, late twenties, early twenties, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and there was, yeah, like there was definitely moments when I was like, wow, this this could happen, but 
I, I was never like, oh, yeah, this is a lock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I just, I'm just too much of a realist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So h- how does that how does that play out? How, do, how does that experience play out? At what point do you say, it's been great, but I need to do this, and I'm doing this now, and, you know. Yeah, so, um, I mean, this whole time I was going to music school. Hmm. Start, I started at MCC okay. and studied with Fred Forney and Grant Wolf. Fred Forney is a trumpet player. Fred the Horny Forney? Probably a- one of the best trumpet players in the, <laughs> in the world. No shit. And he was also the best drum teacher I ever had even though he's probably never touched a pair of sticks in his life. No shit. So what did he impart on you? Um, he, he was a, he was a tough guy. Yeah. He was, you know, he was like a tough love kind of teacher. Yeah. So I think one of the big lessons he taught me is if you're, if you're coming here, come. Like be present. Yeah. Like not only be present, but like practice Mm. the stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like practice for real. Right. Like don't like, it's like like, you want it. If you're going to do it. Right. Let's not fuck around. Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah. So like if you didn't practice, like he would know and you would know he knew. Right. (laughs) And he would let you know. Right. Right. And so, um, and he practiced a lot. Like he practiced like Man. religiously on a rigid schedule, like a, a X number of hours per day. Holy shit. And he was, and he was incredible. And, and he, you know, he would be like, like you have to have like a practice regimen. Like, oh, man. like, and, this, and I wasn't like that at all. Like I was like, I'll play, I was like, I'll play when I feel like it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I need to be inspired. Yeah. Yeah, I need, I need to be. I need to be inspired, and he was like, thing. he was like, like no, 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 no. That's not how you do so it. That's not how it works. Right. Like, if you want to be, if you want to be an incredible player, you have to practice. You have to practice religiously every day for several hours, <laughs> and practice things that are hard and that you don't like practicing. To you know what I mean? And so it was like, it was eye opening. Yeah. And and I and I did. I got more serious about so why was he te- why was he teaching you as a drummer i just mean like he taught me more about getting good at drums but 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 how did you even interact with this cat and i don't i and i don't mean like he was like here's how you play this groove like it wasn't like that i don't mean right. he taught me like how to play drums but i mean like he taught me how to like take drums seriously right. and like how to get good at practicing and and he's not a drummer and no and he taught me how to, um, he taught, he taught me how important time is and how important the drummer is Whoa. at keeping the time. Yeah. And like there was, there was a moment we were, we were actually playing like one of his tunes that he wrote and we were recording it. And there was this section of the song where like the band always kind of veers off course because the time signature is a little bit tricky. Uh And I had like practiced that 
that section for like days and weeks. And we went in and we recorded it and we played the song. And like after the song ended, he like came over and literally like picked me up out of my chair. And he was like, that's fucking it. Like he, he like whispered it in my ear. He's like, that's what I'm fucking talking about. And it, and it was like, that's how he was. Like yeah. he, it was like, don't, don't bullshit me. But then right. if you did it right, then you knew. And, and so then I went to, so just thinking about like how this all played out yeah. and, and there's another band too that we haven't even talked about, which is bad shoe. And, and that was like, that was a big part of my Arizona music experience early 2000s or now we're into like mid 2000s okay and so i'm going i'm going to music school i went to mcc for the first couple of years and then i was like all right it's time to transfer to asu and i was going to be a jazz performance major right and like a semester in i was like <laughs> i hate this like <laughs> I like whispered to myself inside my own head. I was like, I hate this so much. And Who were some of the cats that you met at that time? Steve. The Himmel? Yeah. The Hemi? Yeah. The Hemi Shimmy? Yeah. I mean, I've heard of him. Me and Steve were around. Uh huh. And that. Anyone else? Um, uh, well, a lot of different people, man. A lot of people. And, and, oh, Shay. Oh, you mean Shay Marshall? You mean Shay Marshall? Yeah, yeah we're oh. we were fucking around at, I bet at the were. sale in. I bet you guys were playing playing jazz at the sale in, trying to bring jazz to the to, the, to the hippies. How'd that go? You know, towards the end of the night, they were into it. <laughs> <laughs> at the sale in, it's always everything cool happens at the end. Yeah, of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But Bad Shoe was like, it, Bad Shoe was <clears throat> jazz trained mm. musicians but playing like groovy shit, like, like Schofield, like a go-go kind of shit or what? More like, like Schofield crossed with fish kind of. Oh Jesus. Yeah. With a little, with a little bit of Jamiroquai in there. Oh my. That kind of vibe. Okay. Let's talk about emergency on planet earth. Jamiroquai is life changing. Bro. Did we just become best friends? You can't see it on the podcast, but but we just fist bumped. (laughs) Our hands just became a Jace. I'm so excited for you because once you once you recognize the power of the reduction, uh, everything will happen faster. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Jamiroquai. Yeah. Well, what were you gonna say? And then and then we can talk about Jamiroquai. No, no, go oh. go to Jamiroquai first, and then I'll tie it all back together. Please do put a bow on this. Everything has got and brown. Oh, I'm here again. With a sunshine smile upon my face, my friends are close at hand. And on my head, I've been turned. I've disappeared without a trace. I'm mad. Oh, I found somebody who. First of all, one of the last, I think he had a seven or eight record deal. Mm-hmm. 
coming out of the gate, didn't even have a thing yet. And every record from the first to when I lost sight of it, which was, um, oh, come on, uh, the, the video where uh, things are moving. He's, um, you know what I'm talking about? This is podcast gold, by the way, when no one knows what the fuck anyone else is talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Uh, virtual insanity. Virtual insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But think he's about, on like the yes the thing three hundred sixty yes, degree treadmill it, and it's moving mm-hmm, at yeah. all times it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've been such a huge fan I mean holy shit what what he has done and that band you know which has stayed intact his band is so good it's so good I mean and it's like kids don't know about it and it's like what are you doing spend some time on Jamiroquai don't fucking yeah, yeah, sleep yeah. on Jamiroquai. And talk about some slower tempos that will fuck you up. Right. Like, try to play along to them. Right. Right. Killing. You can't. Killing. They have, they have their own thing. Like, they're not just regurgitating Stevie Wonder. Oh, no, no, no. You know no, what I mean? No, no, no. Like, even though he has that vibe. Yes. Like well, he's got a Prince vibe, too. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. let's, 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 you know, if, you, if we break it down, what the fuck is it? First of all, it's. All of our favorites. Mm-hmm. It's Stevie Wonder. It's Prince. It's James Brown. It's I mean, there's so much there to unpack. Mm-hmm. And every record, sure, there's there's there there are some threads, you know. But it's it's that's the shit, man. Mm-hmm. Those records were destroyed me. I put them in the top three favorite bands for me. No shit, Jamiroquai. Who do you know? Who the drummer is? Couldn't tell you. Yeah, couldn't tell you. I don't know. I don't know anyone else in that band. I know Jamiroquai. Motherfucker got a hat on, you know, and sings his balls off. Yeah. Sorry. That's no. I, you can say balls on the podcast, by the way. Yeah, balls of Jace. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Your balls of Jace. Jesus. But you say but this this is the this is the pivotal mm. pivotal moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you just touched on, yes. which was can you t- can you name the drummer? Right. No, I can't. Right. And I was at so I so I'm at ASU. I'm sorry, balls and cheese. <laughs> what is? Uh, okay, sorry. So I'm at Clear. I'm at AS, ASU. Back to one. I'm not. I'm like no. Right. I'm not gonna get a music degree. Right. And like that was bub that was bubbling up. And you mm-hmm. know you know you know how it is. Bands last like three ish years, mm-hmm. and then the interpersonal drama starts to. Yeah. Get conflicting and yeah, you know, yeah. But divergent artistic yeah. visions and yeah, yeah, or it's whatever, like, or, or whatever, or, or having a family, or or mm-hmm. realizing that I don't want to fucking live in a van anymore. Like yep. these are all yep. proper things that everyone goes through. And anyway, yep. and continue. that's that's what was happening to me as yeah. I was like, I was getting to that point, and now I'm like late twenties, and I was getting to that point where I was like, I don't want a music major. I don't really like the music business. Mm. It's a terrible that, industry. It, it's terrible. I mean, God bless the people that have the stomach to be professional musicians because it is a hard life. And the reason it's hard, the reason it was hard for me was not the interpersonal relationships with the people, but the business itself. Like if you get the flu, you just lose the gig. Right. <laughs> like there's right. no sick days. Right. Right. <laughs> or like, you know, the the hundredth time 
you have to deal with like a like a cokehead club owner who's mm-hmm. not going to pay you. Right. You know what I mean? It's just right. like right. Anyway. Um, no, I so get all, it. all that stuff was kind of bubbling to the surface for me. Mm-hmm. And the turning point, like the actual moment that I was like, I'm going to make a career change. I was at Disneyland and you know, they have that band that like by space mountain that like comes up out of the ground. I know, I know space mountain. <laughs> so they, there's like, you know, there's like a Disney outdoor, world or Disneyland? No, Disneyland. There's like an outdoor Oh. eating area by oh. space mountain and they have this thing that comes up out of the ground it's and it's a stage and there'll be a band and they'll play five tunes and then go back down so strange and it was i shit you not the best drummer i've ever seen in real life whoa who was it don't know oh couldn't tell you couldn't tell you and i was like this is the best drummer i've ever seen in my life and he's playing at fucking disneyland <laughs> On a stage that will go away in 20 minutes. I was like, I could practice 16 hours a day for the rest of my life and never be as good as him. What? And he's playing at Disneyland. He pro- but, but, but hold on real quick. Uh, really nice All mansion. Right. Really nice insurance. And probably gets paid. I mean, three things that... Fine, but he's not living the dream. He's not living the musician dream. De- Maybe the de- adult musician define dream. Define the dream. He's right? not living the kid musician dream. Right, right. No kid is like, <laughs> I can't wait to get on the stage that comes up from the... Or maybe they are. I mean... No, th- this when is, you're 18, you're like, I right. can't wait to get a pension <laughs> and good health care. <laughs> good health care. I know. I mean, the, you know, I get real. it. I get as an adult, those yeah. are real dreams, but... Yeah. But that was the turning point. So you saw this. I saw this, and you I saw and this, I, and there, like it, the feeling, like washed over me. Like yeah. I was like I was already disenchanted with the music business. Were you married at the time? No, single kid. Yeah, just running around. Single kid. I was already disenchanted with the music business. Mm-hmm. I was already not digging the music degree, and then I saw and this. And you were alone at Disneyland. No, I was with some oh, friends. friends. Okay, yeah. I got you. I was with. Friends. I mean, I was like, because that's a <laughs> very depressing. You just like. <laughs> I'm just going to go to Disneyland by myself. You know, I really need to go ponder my life decisions. I'm going to go to Disneyland by myself. <laughs> just okay. eat hot dogs at the... Yeah. At I'm going to eat some outside. slushies. I'm just going to eat hot dogs at Tomorrowland and ponder my life decisions. <laughs> uh, that would have been strange. But okay, you were with friends, but you had this moment. I had this moment. And then what happened? I was like... I'm going to go get a computer science degree. Oh. So I went to ASU and enrolled in the business school. Oh. And took a computer science class. And I was like, I hate this more than music. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, my life is so fucked right now. Yeah, like it was like no shit. It was like terrible. So what the what happened? So your first semester at ASU in the business school, we're well, trying to weed you out. Let's you, be honest, you, right? You do a sampler platter, right? Yeah, yeah, buffet style. You take a computer course. You take right. a marketing course. Right. Accounting, finance, supply chain, economics, and. They they do yeah. that on purpose because right. they want you to kind of get a feel for right. all the different potential pathways. And I, f- I completely fell in love with accounting. It was mm. like so weird. 
Like every, it was like the universe is clicking now. <laughs> Accounting makes so much sense to me. There's debits and credits and they come together in this crazy way that's cosmic and it makes so much sense. And you get paid a lot of money when you finish. So it was like, <laughs> it. so it just kind of clicked. And I talked I talked to my dad and I was like, oh, I really like these accounting classes. And he was like, well, that makes sense because your granddad was an accountant. Okay. And... I was an accountant. Okay. Not I like not when I knew him, right. but like early in his yeah, yeah, life. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well maybe it runs in my blood. Uh, clearly. And and so that's what I did. Do I, you do you feel like do, but do you see music as numbers? You know what I mean? Yeah. You do. Mhm. Hmm. Like it I um, mean certainly drums. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean Right, so one, two, three, four, like that, that sort of situation, or do you do you see music overall as numbers? I, it's number adjacent. God bless you. This podcast, by the way, has more whispers <laughs> than any other podcast we've ever done, and I I gotta tell you, there's power in the whisper. The more you whisper, the more power you get. Because people start to really listen. You know, I always tell people. The fury of a thousand horses <laughs> and, and dragons. <laughs> and dragons? Is mm-hmm. that what you said? Yes. A thousand horses and one dragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want too many dragons. You can't. Like, seriously. Because they start to fight, mm-hmm. and it's like, listen. Yeah. And it's not about them anymore. You'll push the crowd away. I know. And then they'll eat the horses. Mm-hmm. Um,. So you got really inspired to be to work with numbers and be an accountant and and get your degree and, and a master's, right? Mm-hmm. So you got your. I got my master's S- later, but I got my CPA. Yeah. CPA. So I got my accounting degree, and then I got yeah. my CPA. And, and then you I stepped got, away from music for a minute. I stepped away from music for a minute when my kids were born, mm. because it was like day job, raising kids and music. It was right. just too, too much. much. Yeah too much and when my kids were born you have kids i don't okay so this None weird that i know about oh shit actually i know i i know i thought i don't have any kids <laughs> <laughs> so this weird thing happens when you have kids yeah it's like what was i doing before right like Right. And, you know, it's funny because I've played in plenty of bands with people who, like, get married and have kids and then they disappear and you're like, I never want to get married and have kids because it just makes you disappear from what you love. Yeah. And it it absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's biological or chemical. I'm sure it's. Or emotional. Yes. Or what. Yeah. All of those things. I'm sure. But when you have kids, it's like. What was I doing before? Yeah, nothing like, else matters. Dude. Right? It's, yeah. And and I also, like, consciously also had this thought, like, yeah, I just want to, like, focus on being a dad while they're little. 
Yeah. You know? Well, and, and you already had the epiphany at Disneyland that, nah, this isn't it, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you're, you're already in this state of like, holy, I'm, I'm re adjusting everything, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Hey there, I am Boomer. And I'm Pixie Ola. Our podcast, Service Entrance People, is for and about the gritty, underpaid, underprivileged service industry workers of the world. Unite! Day in and day out, we walk through the parking lot of broken dreams. So if you're interested in listening and sharing in the war stories of the, the industry, and if you're curious as to what us, the help, are really thinking, we are going to educate you with stories of the strange, shocking, and hilarious, because last Laughing is the only way that we can think to even try to get our ways through each day. (laughs) (laughs) This industry is one that we absolutely, truly love. And although you'll hear horror stories and rants and bitching that we have to work at work because that's the kind of petty betty that we are, we kid because we care. You can find service entrance people on all major platforms as well as YouTube and would like to say thank you for tuning into my friend Brian Chartrand and the So The Story Goes podcast. I've known him for longer than he or I would admit. And yes, he is that cool in real life. So you stepped away. Stepped away. Raised some kids. Like literally stepped away. Like sold all my drums and everything. Like stepped away from it. But now you're back. Mm -hmm. This is what, 10 years later, 15 years later? No, the break was only like four years. Okay, so you're like, you're four years old now. Just like while they were babies and toddlers. You're like, you're four years old now. Daddy's going away. Daddy's going to go shed some drums now. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy's going to go groove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and, so it, and, by, and by that point, like, I'm, I missed it. Right. 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 And I, I've taken a break. This was my third break from drums. I was going to ask you. I've taken one or two year breaks on multiple occasions when I got either disenchanted with the business. Yeah. Or just burned out on the... On the giggery. The giggery. The Tom giggery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that too. Mm-hmm. And, and actually... It's healthy. Well, I... I, I, I well, yes. I would agree. Short answer, yes, it's healthy. Mm-hmm. I think what is reassuring is when you do step away and you come back. Mm-hmm. That just means that it's real. That you you need it. Yeah. One of the main reasons for me to move to Phoenix was to not play music anymore. Fuck this shit. I can't make any you money. You moved here from where? From Massachusetts. Okay. And I was like... Did I, you know Sean in Mass? No. Okay. No, I know. That's a weird connection overlap of our history, but didn't know him. Uh, and and part of the reason for moving out here was to like... I was like, I'm done, man. I, I, I played enough shitty gigs in Boston, New York, Burlington, and everywhere in between... Uh, fuck this. It's I'm, exhausting. It's exhausting, mm-hmm. and you're broke, and you're living with your parents, and you're thinking, well, I have a degree. Let's just go somewhere else. And my girlfriend at the time was moving to Phoenix, had a gig uh, as a teacher, and I was like, all right, well, I'll just go get a quote-unquote marketing degree. And I went through the paper. and I, Anyway, yeah. that's some bullshit. But I, as soon as I stepped away and said, I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't going to be my thing. You know, a month later, I start a band and I start writing songs that I'm really proud of. And it's like, I think it's that it's like a gut check that you have to do, uh, even if things are great or bad. You just 
if you step away for a minute and get some perspective, and that's what I needed. I needed perspective. So it sounds like, you know, starting a family, raising kids, that's a, that's a, I'm not, I'm not going to call it a, a diversion or, 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 but it was just, it's healthy to, to pursue something else for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then if you come back to it, you do. And you come back stronger with some passion. Stronger, yep. You know what I mean? Because you never know what you got till it's gone. Mm. Let's hear a little bit more. Mm. No? No. That was it. Um, well, again, I, I, saw, <laughs> I, saw you, I saw you the other night. And, and as you described, you know, you had this super minimal. You had a, you had a kick, you had a snare, yeah. a hi-hat, and a ride cymbal. And I saw you over at Cock and Tails. Shout out to Cock and Tails. What a great place. Great spot. It's my neighborhood bar. And uh, you were playing uh, with some friends. And one thing, and, and this maybe this is the last thing, but one thing I, I recognized right away uh, was your stick heights. You know, it, you're, you're not, you're not a, you're not a, a basher and, and, and you know, whatever. But I just, I noticed that, that what you did was so tight, right? It like stick heights and, and the way that you set your drums up, everything is like economical, mm-hmm. ergonomical. And, um, and then I got up and bashed your drums for a minute, but which was super fun, but, but probably not, um, accepted or s- supported or s- applauded. Don't sell yourself short. Well, I appreciate For you. real. Okay. Well, I, oh, thank you. I, I was a drummer at one point in my life, but um, I did notice the ergonometry. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Ergonometry? Is that a word? Er, the, ergonomics. The ergonomics of your kit. And I noticed your control and stick height, and it just, I don't, you don't see that a lot. And I know, and I wonder where that came from. Hmm. The only reason I know... I think it came from the practice pad. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say like marching band. Because it was like... Right. I mean, it was like the size of a... <laughs> coaster. Of a coaster. <laughs> like, a te- no like a teacup coaster. No shit. Right. And so, you know... And I, cl- I close my eyes a lot. Yeah. When I play and when I practice. Huh. And so... You know, if you were playing on the practice pad and you hit the off, if you hit off of the practice pad, it was like that, you know, that wood with faux leather over it. Right, right, (laughs) right. For the carrying case. Right, right. And it would be, it would be jarring if you hit off of that. And so I guess that's probably where it comes from is just keeping everything tight. Well, the groove the groove was so satisfying and and thank you it just it fit you know like when you see something that works in that setting i even forget who was who was with you it doesn't matter i just remember you playing and how you and how you played and it was a real pleasure to hear as a as a recovering drummer uh ex drummer uh uh it was really awesome to hear and and i'm glad that you're back playing and and uh hopefully hopefully we can do something together you know no 
thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Wait, and is just, it is it no comma thank you? I appreciate, it, or is it no thank you comma? I appreciate that. <laughs> Despite the fact that I have no interest in playing with you at any time ever, I really do appreciate the compliment. And uh, no, of course, I would love to. Um, and you, yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say? I, I. I think I think I mentioned before or we've talked about it before like I don't I don't consider myself really having like good chops like if if I was playing a gig and you were like drum solo right. I'd be like please god no <laughs> do not give me a drum solo cuz like who who was playing at the end of the night buddy buddy yeah but then Fred Fred yeah like when I listen to Fred pray I'm like oh my god this yeah. guy is from another planet yeah. and he's just phenomenal yeah I mean Fred Boswell yeah killing just, and Buddy is too. I mean, shit. Buddy is too for sure. Like, I didn't hear Buddy solo that night, so I don't. Right. That right. was the first time I met those two guys. No shit. Yeah. I mean, I've heard their names a million times. Right. But, um, but I did get to hear Fred solo at the end of the night, and it's like I, can, I can't do that. Yeah. Like I, can, my brain can't even wrap, and it's the same thing. Like that that moment I had at Disneyland, like right. where the guy took right. a drum solo, and I was like, I can't even comprehend what he's doing. Interesting. Same thing with Fred. Like yeah. when he was playing the other night. It's was, like I, me playing guitar next to Adam Armijo. And, and you said you don't know Adam Armijo. But, mm-hmm. but it's like I don't even know how you're making these sounds. We're playing yeah. the same instrument. Mm-hmm. You're, like he's literally playing your drum set. Mm-hmm. I'm playing the same guitar that Adam is. I don't know how he's doing that. Yeah. It's like a fucking another language. It's another fucking thing. I, yeah. don't, I don't get it. I don't want to get it. For sure. I and I could like, like I could sit there and, you know, like record him and like slow it Mm -hmm. down and figure out what he's doing and and practice it and but i wouldn't i would be mimicking it like he's doing it for real right in the moment that's coming from within him right right off the top of the dome (laughs) just this is what i'm feeling right now and i don't i don't have that yeah and so the way that i make up for that and demonstrate my value as a drummer Mm. is listening Mm-hmm. And giving the song exactly what it needs and going exactly where it needs to go and following, you know, like wherever the singer or whoever is leading wants to take it. Like, cause that, that's something that I can offer from my maturity as a, as a, you know, an older really musician, old like, like, like a kind of old, right? Yeah. I mean, pretty gray. You're baby. Yeah. I'm gray. You're gray. <laughs> We're gray. <laughs> I do have an. I do have maybe one last question, and that is, you you say you play the song, right? So, I'm assuming that in a in in a duo scenario with a singer songwriter, you're going to do something different, maybe than when you're playing with a pop band. Yeah. But, but is there an overarching thing, like as a drummer, this is my approach? It's a super vague question. I'm sorry for it, but but as a singer songwriter. And if we were to do a duo thing, which you said you will never do, and I and I totally respect your decision to not work <laughs> with me, but and let's say you have the same kit that you would do with a, with a pop band, do you play differently? Do you, or is it? I would never bring a pop band kit to that gig. Okay, so you do have different kits then. Yeah. Okay. All right. Or so, at least different kit setups. Got you. Yeah. All right. So in a pop in a pop scenario, you put some toms and maybe a crash. Pop symbol. scenario. I'm playing a traditional five piece kit with ride crash hi hat and China. Maybe a gong. 
Fuck yeah. <laughs> Always a con. Um, two to three chinas. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, yeah. At, at least, least one. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, one for either side. <laughs> God. Could you imagine? Did you ever own Could China? you imagine doing, if you had a, if you, if you're like, yeah, let's do a duo gig. <laughs> yeah, rolls I sh- up. I, 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 like nine piece kit, four chinas, two gongs, double bass. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but if you were like, let's do a duo gig, and I I do that with Steve sometimes. Yeah, Hemi, mm-hmm. hmm. the Hem, the Hem. Uh, <laughs> no, it's Heavenstone now. I know Heavenstone. We love Steve. Yeah, Steve. hi Steve. Steve's a good guy. If you're listening, hello. But like, we played a gig, and I brought like, you know, a a small kick drum, and like a cajon type of mm-hmm. thing, and a hi hat, and some percussion. Done. Don't need a big kit. No, because. Why? Who? You, what are you trying? You know, who are you trying to impress? Well, there's no other half of the <laughs> rhythm section. That's that's how I see it. Yeah. You know, it, as soon as you put a kit behind a singer songwriter, I I'm missing the other half of the section, yeah, 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 the yeah. low end. Mm-hmm. You know, but if it's all kind of textural and subdivision and kind of higher end stuff, that works really nicely with a, with a guitar. Yeah. You know, the natural acoustic of a guitar, which has a little bit of low end, so you can get it over. But you. I, I always feel like the drums should be underneath. Hmm. And so I would never bring a five-piece kit to a duo because you can't get underneath. Right, 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 right. You have to, I think when you get more mature as a drummer, I think you you grow to recognize that, you know, you know your place. Mm-hmm, hmm in the in the in the scenario in the scenario yeah you need to know your place mm-hmm. so remember that all you young 12 young listeners there's, out there there's 12 of them and no. i think <laughs> there's 3 to 4 young drummers there, yeah you just change the change their lives yeah i think so uh i appreciate your time cheers man i had fun did you have fun tell me you had fun i had a blast and you brought a little treat which is nice cuz not not all guests bring little treats but it was a very nice treat you gotta treat it up let's treat it up let's treat it nice um this is one of my favorites i think i can tell